This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Well, I can't wait to get into this message today. I can't believe we're in our fourth part of this sermon series called Gone Fishing. Gone Fishing. We're going to have fun with it. But today is actually the day that I've been working towards to get to. Now, we're going to have one more Sunday of it next Sunday. and uh, But today's kind of been where I've been building up to get. And if you haven't caught these messages, uh, please download our app, Calvary FTW, or go to the website. I promise you these are the messages you need going into your next season I know it's hard to talk about fall when it's 110 and 11 and 12. And, uh, but it's coming. It might get here around February, but it's coming. Uh, but, but whether the weather may not cooperate, the, the, the schedules will cooperate. And uh, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you understand why I'm doing this series in July. Because when, when, when August gets here, we're going to have our our. our Back to school, 21 days of prayer that we do every August. We'll be in prayer for 21 days and believe in God for a harvest in the school season with young families, with kids, believing God for great things. But I've been taking this month to kind of coach a little bit, teach a little bit, encourage a little bit around the idea of fishing. And I'm not talking about bass and crappie and catfish. Boy, that'd be a blast if we could do that together as one big church family. But this is something more important than that. The Bible refers to it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. has been our text. And I've chosen, uh, I've chosen the New Living Translation for this. And I'll explain why. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers. He saw Peter and Andrew. And they were professional fishermen throwing a net into the water. But Jesus called over to him. He said, won't you come? Why don't you come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Now, King James Version of Scripture would say, I'll show you how to be fishers of men. Fishers of men. Fish for people. So this whole month's been trying to encourage you, to encourage me, to delight myself in this very commandment. That our calling, our purpose, everyone say, my purpose Come on, everybody say, my purpose is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to fish for people. So we started the series out talking about uh, what we're supposed to be fishing for. And we, and we established the fact that Jesus saved you where you could play a role in him saving someone else. The second week, we talked about something kind of creative we talked about what's in your tackle box. And we, and we just shared a little bit of the different baits to throw around to different types of people. And, and, and how, we could, how we could bless them with the gospel. And then last Sunday, maybe my, my, my favorite so far, I really enjoyed talking about fish attractant. And how to influence, influence the fish. And it's not manipulation. It's not, it's not uh, condemnation. It, it's not intimidation. It's influence the fish by, by your lifestyle. People are attracted 
And I make no apologies for this statement, okay? I, I've already gotten one text asking, could you elaborate on it? And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and elaborate here to everybody. People are not attracted to unattractive Christians. You might be a Christian, but if you don't tip, you're an unattractive Christian to me. You might be a Christian, but if you don't pay your bills on time, that's unattractive to me. You might be a Christian, but if you've got a rotten attitude, you're, you're unattractive to me. You might say a Christian, and you might even go to heaven. But if you're a lying and a cheating in your business dealings, you're unattractive to me. Are you following what I'm saying? It's one thing to go to heaven. It's another thing to live a life so beautiful on earth. Not perfect. Not perfect. But so covered in his grace and mercy and being led of the Holy Spirit. There's a life you can live here that will influence people to cause them to say to you, my goodness, you're just a blessing. What, what, what is it about you? And they're attracted to your faith. Um, and that allows you to do what I'm going to preach on today. Something I've been building up to. Today is our subtopic is called set the hook. Set the hook. So if we know we're fishing for people, and if we know that, that there are certain types of fish that we're looking for, and uh, we're looking for the lost. We're going to try to influence them towards Jesus Christ. There comes a moment. You're going to be there if you've never experienced it. It's one of the greatest moments that you'll ever have in your faith. When someone asks you about Jesus. When someone asks you about your faith. It gives you the opportunity to just set the hook. And today we're going to make it real personal. Because I'm going to show you and teach you and coach you today is the day that you're going to learn how to share Jesus with someone else. This might be the most informational and educational uh, message that I've done in a long, long time. I used to do this with students, and now today I'm going to share it with you. The very first thing you have to know about reaching someone with Jesus, if you're a born-again child of God and a believer in Christ... You've got to always remind yourself every day what Jesus has done for you. you got to refresh your memory. You have to go back once again and remember your own personal conversion. Now, I don't say this sarcastically. I honestly do not mean this. I'm going to say it in all three services. It's not just for this service. So this is not personal against the demographic that's here. But don't forget, even if it's been 10 years or 20, don't forget the old you before Jesus got a hold of you. Now, I think of my friends like Gene and Nala Davis. And I think of my friends like Larry and Mary Cottle and Gloria Blackstock and Sister Brown, and, and there's, I could go around this room. Gordon Patton's one. Uh, Donna, you're one. Joyce, you're one. I could go around this 830 service. Some of you were like me. You were born on a pew, and if you weren't born on a pew, buddy, you got there real quick. And this is all you've ever known. This, the, the, now, what I mean by this, meaning Christianity is all you've ever known. You you. A lot of you in this service were, were not familiar with, with, with a Muslim doctrine or faith. You, you didn't grow up Catholic. You didn't grow up Jehovah's Witness. You didn't grow up atheist or agnostic. 
majority in this 830 service, you grew up in the Bible Belt or you, or you had friends that, that, that talked about the love of the Lord. But may I remind every single one of us, me, the fifth generation, it's hard to say that. I'm a fifth generation, not just Christian, I'm a fifth generation Pentecostal Christian. But yet, I must remember when Jesus came into my life. If I'm going to be effective setting the hook in anyone else's life, I've got to remember, I may have not been a hard drug user. I may have not have been a, an abuser. I may not have been a, a, a convict. But can I tell you something? One of the hardest people to ever reach with the gospel are legalistic, self-righteous, assuming that they're already saved, church going, pew sitting. Can I keep preaching a little bit? <laughs> because, you know, I just assumed that I would have gone to heaven at 10, 11, 12 years old. And this is not up for debate concerning the age and, 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 and you know, the, the, the age of accountability and all. I don't mean it in that regard. What I mean is at some point... Here, here's an old-fashioned preacher way of saying it. At some point, I came to realize I could not get to heaven on my mother's coattail. And I had to have me a Jesus experience for my, for my own self. And before I can share Christ with anybody else, I owe it to myself to go back once again and just remember when Jesus came into my heart. Oh, what a day of change and blessing that, that was in my life. Can I get a big amen in an early service today? I love Michael back there. That dude, I love it when he lets out one of them amens and it messes somebody else up in this service. I watch y'all and y'all are like so cute and proper. They're like, who is making that obnoxious sound? Somebody remembers where the Lord found them. That's what it is. Somebody remembers where the Lord found. And there's some of us in this room that need to have a flashback. 1 Peter 2 and verse number 9 says, But you are the ones chosen by God. Everybody say, I am chosen. Let me tell you what you're chosen for. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments. To do what? To do his work. What is his work? To speak out for him. And here's how the message tells us in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. To tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. If he hasn't, or, or if you have not experienced a night and day change, I would say it's time to get off mama's coattail of religion and have your own Jesus experience that changes you night and day. Just changes you forever. And then it goes on to say, how, what kind of change was it? Brother Benno Lux, this is what the Bible says. He changed me from nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Do you realize, B.C., before Christ, you were nothing? Before Christ, you were rejected. But now, B.C., because of Christ, 
Because of Christ, I've gone from nothing to something. And I've gone from rejected to accepted. I just wish somebody would realize the change that Jesus made in your life when he came into your heart. He changed some things in your life. Come on and clap your hands to the Lord this morning. He's changed some things in your life. (laughs) Once you've established it and once you recall it and once you kind of put a fresh log on your fire and you kind of kindle the flame a little bit and it stirs you up, now we're ready. Now we're ready to talk to Susie, to talk to to George. Now we're ready to have the conversation about Jesus. And here it is, everybody. It's going to be the most simple, direct, how to take notes, write it down. The first one is this. Share the hope that you have in Christ. Share the hope you have. First Peter chapter 3 says, you got to be prepared to give an answer. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, I didn't highlight this in my, in my PDF file notes here, but, but I do recall it. It goes on to say that not just to share the hope you have, but do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior. Oh, you're just a goody-goody. Oh, you're judgmental. Oh, you're, 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 you're just one of those fanatical Christians. Do so when you're sharing Jesus. Do so so gently and kindly and lovingly. So when those that speak maliciously, uh, uh, maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words... Bless you. In other words, live it as though you speak it and speak it as you live it. You know who's a big target in Christianity? The unattractive Christian that says one thing and completely just, just, just drops the ball in the other way in their life. Here's what I mean by share the hope you have. Let me give you a simple how-tos here. There's not a better thing you can share than your personal story. Don't email me and ask me for sermons. Share your story. There's three points to your story that you need to know in the depths of your heart. For every coworker that you do life with, with every family member that's an unbeliever, here's the three points you need to remember down in your spirit. You shouldn't have to think about it. You need to get this into your gut where it just comes out naturally. The first of which is you need to, you need to always recall your moment when you had your come to your senses moment when you realized you needed Jesus. Mine is different than yours. Yours is different than your spouse's or your kids or your parents. Everybody had a moment that that if you've given your heart to Jesus, there was a moment when you realized you needed a Savior. 
I don't have time to go there, but you remember in Luke 15, the prodigal son's a great illustration where the prodigal son went missing and he went out there and lived like the world. He was lost. He was lost from his father's home. He was lost from his father's love. But the Bible says that he came to his senses. Every person that will ever come to Christ will only come to Jesus because they came to their senses and they had, a, they had a, an aha moment where the lights came on and they realized they needed a Savior. You need to remember where you were when you realized you needed a Savior. I was 12 years old. I was 12. And I think about it. I have not really thought about this until just, just when I said those words. But I have a 12-year-old. She had a moment before my age. She, she, Selah had a, a tender moment with God where she truly had a God experience. Where she gave her heart to Jesus. Now, now everybody's different. Everybody's at different places. Different places in their mind and heart and sensitivity. You know, for instance, even when it came to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not even my... My personal decision for Christ, but my baptism experience in the Holy Spirit, it came when, when I was 12 years old. But yet, I've got a daughter of mine that right over here across the parking lot at, at Calvary's Kids, on the strangest night, she had a baptism in the Holy Spirit experience. On the strangest night, it was the Wednesday night, the week that my friend Allison Andrews passed on that Monday, Wednesday night, we had kind of a church gathering. In order to have a, a night that I could actually share my heart about the, the situation at hand, we still had Calvary's kids. And the night that was probably one of the toughest in my ministry was the night that may have been one of my highlights as a dad. Because after that night, I don't know if you recall that, Denora, we came out into the lobby just weary. I mean, my mind was racing. My heart was hurting. I was all over the map. I couldn't tell you if I was coming or going. I didn't know what was going on. The world was just spinning. And the children's pastor said, Pastor Tommy, congratulations on Selah. I said, oh, thank you. What, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And she said, Selah's just, you need to come in here and look at this. And Selah was just having her a Holy Spirit encounter. But let me tell you something. If Selah's ever going to share Jesus with someone, or if I'm ever going to be effective sharing Jesus with someone, you better remember what it was like when you came to your aha moment, when you realized, not what the preacher said, not what mom taught you, but you realized that you needed a Savior. Why is that so critical? Because the fish... That you're trying to catch. The person you're ministering to is in that moment. Or they would not be inquiring. They would not be so inquisitive to ask you about Christ. Or they would not be willing to hear about Christ. If they were not in the throes of them and themselves trying to find out what's, what's next for me in my spirit life. And you know the greatest way... To correct people and help them is by connecting with people. Now, I'm, I'm kind of going a little long here, but stay with me. 
Watch this, everybody. There's no better connection with anybody than to have something in common. Whether it's brownies. Can I get an amen? Whether it's Disney World. Whether it's where you were brought up. Just look for connection. The ball's on the tee at this point. Why? Because the connection is they're having a moment. Where they realize they need Jesus. And you can look them in the eye and say, you're never going to believe this. I've, I've had this same situation. I was 22 years old and I had this, I had this moment. I was, a, I was a sophomore in college and I realized I needed Jesus. Let me tell you what I did. First part of your story is, when, when was it for you that you knew that you needed a Savior? This will work at your break room. This will work in your, in your office. This will work in your living room. Remember when you needed Jesus. The second part of your story. How did you commit your life to Christ? Don't overcomplicate things. I can tell you how anyone that's ever come to Christ, I can tell you how they did it. They repented of their sins. And they asked the Lord Jesus to come into their heart. You may have used different words. You may, have, you may have been in a different place than I was. You may have been in a different state, a different country. It may have been on a Monday. It could have been on a Sunday. But Christ can only, he can only come in as a Savior to a repentant heart. Tell him what you did. Tell him how you gave him permission to be Lord of all. And then the final part of your story that, that is the best part, it's the most rewarding part to share and to tell, and that is what change has it made in your life? What has it meant for you and your family? What has it meant in your mind, in your heart, in your, in your, in your, in your vision for life? What is the change that it's made? And then the Next thing I want you to share, after you share the hope, after you share your story, I want you to share your church. Now, I was brought up in a, in a time frame that we didn't do a lot of church invitations. We were kind of leaned on from the pulpit in my home church, not to even really worry about inviting people to church. It was to, you wanted to get them for an hour Bible study. And that ruled a lot of people out because a lot of people weren't comfortable sitting and teaching a Bible study for an hour. I remember as a kid, me trying to teach a group of students in junior high a Bible study. And about three minutes in, I realized I did not have any idea what I was talking about. I started talking and I started realizing how dumb I really was about the Bible. Let me take the pressure off everybody. Let me take the pressure off of you. If you're like me that grew up thinking that if I'm going to lead someone to Jesus, I've got to sit down and I've got to teach them the word of God and I've got to be prepared for every answer. I've got to argue. I've got to debate. I've got to know my stuff. I've got to prove that I'm right. I'm going to take the pressure off. No, 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 no. All you need to know is your story and invite them to church. Now, you got to understand, church never saves anybody, but church creates an environment to be saved. I'm real strong on this, okay? 
And, and this service needs to hear me and hear me well. I am determined to create, to creating environments at this campus where all people are welcomed. And all people can have needs met. And, and I've gotten a little pushback for it through the years. And I've been leaned on, had a little pressure on me for the years. And, and I can tell you right now, listen, we're not into creating a little cookie cutter country club where everybody looks the same, smells the same, talks the same. Everybody shares their own little similar stories and jokes where everybody gets everybody. I love it that you don't know everybody. And I eat it up that you don't understand where everybody's coming from. The reason this church is growing at the rate it's growing and the reason why we're adding services and the reason why we're going to probably hit triple digits in baptism in 2018, the reason why is because the front door's big. I don't want to pastor a church where the front door's real little, that you've got to fit a little bitty single-minded little small thinking mentality to get in the front door. Make the front, the Bible says it this way, whosoever will, let him come. I wish I had a better amen than that. What I'm talking about is having an environment that's welcoming to all people. Why? Because the Bible says this, go out into the country, Luke 14, and urge anyone to find, anyone you find, urge them to find, uh, urge them to come in. Why? So that my house will be full. I was blown away in the spring when someone, I've not shared this publicly with anybody. I had someone tell me, I'm just not comfortable because the church is getting too big. That's like saying, I'm not comfortable with this meal. It's too good. I'm not comfortable with that income because it's too much. I'm not comfortable with my spouse because they're too handsome or too pretty or too smart, too sweet. I'm not comfortable with my kids because they're just too respectful and proud and, and, and sharp. And, and Are you following what I'm saying? Is the point of the church to just have our own little group that we've always had? Or is the point of the church is to go out to the world and reach lost people for Jesus to lead them to what we've been led to? I wish everybody in the room would respond from your heart right now. What's the point of the church? <laughs> wow. Bishop Ron told me, he said, the pressure you're feeling is the same pressure that I've felt. There's a certain mentality that just likes it the way it's always been with who it's always been. And I can tell you right now, that's not the church. That's a club. And I can give you some phone numbers to call for a club. And there's memberships and golf memberships and tennis memberships. But for the church, the church of the living God, whosoever will. Let them come to hear the good news that Jesus saves. Let me give you three things you can do for sharing your church. Write them down today. The first is the absolute requirement. And that is pray for the lost. When I say share your church, that doesn't just mean pass out church cards. Pray for the lost. 
What do we pray? We pray this prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We pray this prayer. Satan, who is the God, little g, little g, little g God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. If you have a friend or a loved one that's an unbeliever, it's because he or she has been blinded by Satan. Blinded of what? They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. So what do we pray? That eyes be open to the gospel. You might say, I'm not the personality to go knock on that man's door and invite him to church. Well, pray over him. There could be more done in prayer over the lost than any business card could ever do. Pray over the lost. There's some of you that understand this word, okay? And I don't have time to go into it, but intercede over the lost. Pray in the Holy Ghost over the lost. Go into the dark places and and our weapons are not flesh and blood. Our weapons that we use are of the spiritual warfare. Go and pray over homes and pray over families and pray over businesses in the Holy Spirit where their eyes can be opened because someone else is going to come by. Someone else is going to come by and they'll be the ones that will knock on the door. But if our prayers have gone before us, The soil can be ready. Come on, somebody. I just want to coach you up in here. I want to just stir you up in here. How long has it been? I'm fixing to lean on you now. How long has it been that your prayer wasn't about you, but was about a lost soul? I can tell you right now, I'm constantly praying about me. I'm constantly praying about me. Lord, help me in Denora. Lord, help me and my kids. Lord, help me in the church. Lord, help me and my parents. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. And the Holy Spirit has convicted me in this series. How about we take a break from praying all about my little needs? Because when I woke up this morning, I was blessed to wake up this morning with vision of the gospel. I may have needs, but my ultimate need is I woke up knowing who Jesus is. But there's a lot of people that woke up today blinded by Satan. And they don't know the glorious truth of the gospel. How about turning our prayer time, ladies and gentlemen, in, into, more of a, into more of a plea that the Lord Jesus will become Lord of people's hearts and minds. Oh, I was, you know, me and my friend Doug Barker. Uh, he, he took me out to his, his, his place that has his cows, and, and he was showing me all this cattle stuff. And, and he handed me this little, this little deal. It's called a cattle prod. He told me to push that button and touch that cow's backside, and I did. And I'm telling you, everything broke loose. I just feel like prodding some of you right now in the Holy Spirit to get to praying about lost people. To get to praying about lost people. Yes, pray about your promotion. Yes, pray about your situation. But how about just stretching yourself a little bit and turning everything from about you to turning it to about someone else that can go to heaven. What's our job? Populate heaven, bankrupt hell. That's our job, ladies and gentlemen. Just prod somebody. Get them them just stirred up about something. 
Here's the second thing about sharing your church. Before you ever give them an address, before you ever give them a website, before you ever give them directions, show them that you care about them. Pray over them and show them. Don't tell them. Show them that you care. People are asking these three questions every day, everybody. These three questions are being asked. Number one, can you help me? You're a Christian, right? Yes, sir. Can you help me? People want to know, can you help me? Can you help me with my marriage? Can you help me with my kids? Can you help me in my troubles? Can you help me? Well, my church is at 700 McPherson Road. I don't need your church address. Can you help me? Share your church by caring for people. The second thing people are asking is, do you care about me? Or do you just care about who I am and what I am? And what I have? Or do you care about me? Do you care about me? And then the third and final thing people are asking is the big one. Especially in the era we're living in, in the culture that we're living in. People want to know, can I trust you? Are you just another one of those Christians that are going to manipulate me and take me for everything I have? Are you just one of those Christians that are going to put me under the guilt trip? Can I trust you? Do you really care about me? Can you help me? Everybody say, I receive the word of the Lord. And then the final thing is I've come today with a, with a request. And if you think that you're asking who's this request for, if, you, if, if you're breathing in this room, I'm asking this of you. Take two of the 52 Sundays a year. Two. Two. Everybody say two. Take two of the 52 Sundays a year. Two of the 52. Just two of the 52. Give 50 for yourself and take two Sundays a year and invite an unchurched. <laughs> Can I just spend a little time on that? I didn't say your cousin that goes somewhere else. There's a lot of churches that <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to hear about their growth <laughs> from churches. Unchurched people. Two Sundays a year. Two and bring someone to church. Why? Because you've already, you've already shared your story with them. And now it's just time to introduce them to the family of God. Where they can hear a few other stories. That can help them understand the saving power of Christ. Just two Sundays a year. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because it would be offensive to some of you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dodge creating a problem for me and you. But if I were to ask you to raise your hand today, if you've invited an unchurched person to your church, or if you've shared Jesus with an unchurched person this month, you ready? How about this year? 
Could you raise your hand if you've had an unchurched person in the last five years? What's our purpose? Is our purpose to get saved and settle? Or is our purpose to get saved and go share Jesus Christ with the lost, hurting, hell-bound, in flames of eternity, souls? I just lean on you a little bit today. You're about to hit a season when school's starting, when young couples are looking for change, when young families are needing something stable, when young families are looking for something that can create health in the home. Get ready. It's going to happen, and I need you to set the hook. How are you going to set it? Tell them your story. How are you going to set it? Invite them to your church. And then the last is I'm going to do a little teaching now for the next few minutes, and I'm going to ask you gentlemen to help me with my, my screens. Share Jesus Christ. Share Jesus. And some of you don't know how. So I want to help you, okay? These notes are already in your app. If you don't have a pen and paper, they're in your app. They're provided for you. But here's how you share Jesus. Everybody in the room qualifies for it. Everybody. First of all, here it is. Just kind of school lesson here. The first of which. Make sure they know that God loves them. Everybody say, God loves you. Doesn't get any more elementary. Brother Martin, you're one of the, you're a soul winning machine. I know the Bible studies you teach. And I know the communities and networks of people that you spend your time investing in. It all starts with the simple truth that God loves you. Do you realize so many people do not feel the love of God because they've never been told that he loves them? A lot of us church people, all of us in this room that are churchy people, we take it for granted. There's a hurting, lost man and woman in your world that never has known that God loves them. God is love. God so loved you. God so loved the world. Before our generation, and if the Lord tarries, after our generation. God so loves the world. Without him, there is no time, there is no millennial, there is no generations to come. He just saw people that needed a Savior. And he says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Look at John 10 and 10. This is what the world knows. The world knows, they know this. You don't have to tell anybody this, that the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Most people come to their senses. Most people have an aha moment. When the thief is killing, stealing, and destroying, they realize this isn't worth living for. This is, this is as good as life gets. This is terrible. That's why you need to set the hook by sharing with them the remaining of John 10 and 10. Hey, I know that's what the world has given you, but Jesus has come. To give you life. 
and that you can have it to the fullest degree. Everybody say, God loves you. You ready for the common connector? Let's look at the second one. The common connector is we all have the same problem. Red, yellow, black, and white. Sister Cora, we all have the same problem. In your 80s, in your 20s, we all have the same problem. Americans, we all have the same problem. Pakistanians, we all have the same problem. Russians, we all have the same problem. What's the problem? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Bankruptcy is not your biggest problem. Your kids are not your biggest problem. Well, maybe, but your kids are not your biggest problem. The economy is not your issue. Your spouse is not your issue. The issue that we all deal with is that we're all sinners at birth. And guess what? That problem comes with it. Another problem, and that is Romans 6.23. Because of sin, the wages of sin is death. Sin requires something to die. So as I'm sharing with someone, I just keep it as simple as simple as simple can be. You know what? You and I both have the same problem, man. You have the same problem as me? Absolutely. We all have the same problem. And that is we're all sinners. And, and the truth is, all sin has the same problem. Something's got to die. The wages of sin is death. But I got good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We all have the same problem. But guess what? Thirdly, we all have the same solution. We all have access to the same solution to our shared problem. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, educated, uneducated, male, female, elderly or young. God loves us all. But we all have a problem that we're having to work through. It's called the sin problem. But we all have access to the same solution. Romans 5 and 8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us. That while we were sinners, while we're dealing with the same problem, Christ died for us. For me? Yeah, for you. And, and me too. And, and, and even all of your family that I haven't met yet, all of us have the same problem, but we have the access to the same solution. Christ died for us. John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. Highlight it, underline it. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why does it have to be Jesus? Why does it have to be Jesus? Because the Bible says in Acts 4 and 12 that salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. It's not Muhammad. It's the name of Jesus. I don't want to get off my notes, but next week I'll deal with a little bit of this. You're living in a world right now that is convinced that there's other ways to salvation than through Christ. And I'm telling you, it's not 
legitimate Word of God teaching. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. It's not my opinion. It's the Word of God. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. But, but why? It's, it's not my opinion because there's no other name given whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. So God loves you, my friend. And you and I have got the same issues. It's called the sin issue. But we both have been blessed because we've got the same access to the same solution to the same problem. And that is Jesus died for us. But here it comes. We're going to set that hook. We also have the same response required. Let's look at the response. John 1 and 12 says, but to all, everyone say all. All who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Lenore, if your team will come help me today. This applies to everybody. Romans 10, that if you, you, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Everyone say saved. For it is with your heart. Oh, I wish I had time to preach on this. It's your heart that you believe. It's in your heart that you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth, everyone say my mouth, that you confess and are saved. And finally, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, this applies to everybody. Behold, Jesus Christ stands at every heart. And he's knocking. He's knocking on every single person's heart. The murderer, he's knocking. The rapist, he's knocking. The good old so what believer, yeah, he's knocking on every heart. And the Bible says, and if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he'll come in. I guess my takeaway today My takeaway is this. There's not a person that you'll ever meet that doesn't qualify for the love of God. So don't write them off because they have issues that you don't understand. And don't write them off because their attitude seems unwilling. Don't write them off. Connect with them. Go the distance with them. Love them as Christ has loved you. Do life with them. Get to know their world. Don't be so snooty and don't be so stuck up in your Christian ways that you can't have friends that are lost, that need you because they need the Jesus in you. Well, I just don't, I just like my little group and I like to be around my people, your people. What about his people? Mm, I wish I had that cattle prod. Populate heaven. Let's bankrupt hell. 
stand with me today. And I'm going to ask you if you can, if it's physically possible, I want everyone to join me down front. I've gone over my time. We're not going to linger, but I just want to touch you a little bit here. If you physically can, I want you to come as close as you can. We'll have to have a quick turnaround, everybody. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whosoever will hear my voice, if you'll open the door.